As a girl from West Virginia, I've always grown up hearing about how rich and strong the Appalachian culture is. But then I got to thinking, if our culture is so strong, why don't I know more about it? Especially if my own family is a part of that culture, living in central West Virginia. Why am I so ignorant to the stories and heritage left by my own family? So I created this podcast, a collection of interviews with my family members in an attempt to preserve and learn all that I can about this precious culture. Welcome to episode one, Scratching the Surface. Some of my favorite childhood memories when I was little and going to visit my grandparents is when my great aunt used to come over. So this was my grandmother, Nanal's sister. So her name was Thelma. And uh, Aunt Thelma would tell us all kinds of stories. She loved the kids. So she would sit me and my cousin Becky down and she would tell us the stories of cougars. All kinds of crazy stories about cougars stalking people through the woods. Cougars coming into a house and there would be a lady and she would climb into a chest with her baby. And the cougar would lick the skin off of her fingers. It was like creepy stories like that, but for some reason we just loved them and had her tell them to us over and over again. This is my mom, Ellen Johnson. She was born in 1975 and grew up in Stanton, a small town in Virginia. Her parents were Ed and Edna Stone, two very kind-hearted people. And yes, those are their real names. Ed grew up in Stanton, in a house not far down the road from where they live now. Edna grew up in Flatwoods, as a daughter to George and Audrey King. My mom was a regular kid. She liked calling her friends and watching TV, playing card games and dressing her dolls. She was an only child, but her family always had a lot of pets. Dogs, cats, fish, random animals she would save from the cats. She didn't have much family around, except for her paternal grandmother, who had severe Alzheimer's. That didn't stop them though. They traveled to visit her mother's family regularly in Flatwoods, which tended to be about three times a year. Here she is now. Okay, so uh, what are your most vivid memories of Flatwoods? Really good food. Nana cooked a lot. She cooked everything from scratch because she was a cook at the local school system and that was that was her job that was her passion so she cooked huge meals and so we always ate together um, more people would come to eat than what could sit at the table so she had this system it seems very strange looking back but it was all the men came and ate first and then it was followed by um, well, I guess the kids would eat with the men, too, and then it was followed by the women, and then the women would clean up afterwards. But I guess it was sort of like, all right, girls, we're going to keep doing our girl talk and not have to worry about the men being around. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but so that was one of my most vivid memories was just the really good food. Um, but that was also where I would see the most amount of family because I would see other cousins, other aunts and uncles 
Um, you know, we weren't as close to them as we were Nana and Papaw, but, you know, that was the only time I got to see other family on a frequent basis. Um, but then I also remember I would go camping with Becky. So it would be with her mom and her dad and Amy, her sister. And so we would, uh, we camped a few times and those were also very entertaining. <laughs> Becky are my mom's cousins, her mom's sister's kids. When I was younger and we would visit Flatwoods, I always hung out with Becky's daughter, Sophie. I don't have any first cousins on that side, so she is the closest relative to me in age and family relation. I have another second cousin, but he is much older, and I never really got to see him much. When we were younger, my sister, Sophie, and I enjoyed playing an array of different games, utilizing the many toys and rooms in the house. Laurel and I always liked to go behind the house and make little fairy gardens out of the different plants and sticks we could find. But none of that compared to the most recent trips, when I was able to ask my relatives questions about our family history. I took notes, made family trees, and soaked up as much information as I could. Unfortunately, I did not record those. One of my favorite things to hear about were stories of my great-grandfather. Ever since I was little, everyone in my family has had some harrowing, hilarious, or loving story to tell about Papa. I never got to meet him, as my parents were still dating when he died of a heart attack, but it doesn't stop me from wondering about him. What was he like? How would I feel about him if he were still here? And what in the world was it about that man that made everyone's memories of him so fond and loving? So, Papaw was just, I don't know, just this very gentle man who absolutely loved his granddaughters. Um, he also knew so much about just outdoor things. He was a farmer. He was a naturalist. Um, he would take you on hikes and just show you new fruits new plants, new trees. Um, oh, look at that bird. And then as I went into college and I went into biology, he would start asking me questions like, okay, do you know this moss? Do you know anything about mosses? And then I was, no, I don't know anything about mosses. And he was like, I really want to know more. All I know was about this uh, British redcoat moss. And then he would teach me something. Or he'd say, what about this rock? Do you know what this rock is? So he started wanting me to learn more and, and show him things, which he knew far more than I ever did. Um, but so, yeah, he was outside a lot. Um, and he just, he joked a lot, um, would just be silly with us. He would uh, also, I remember him every evening, he would sit down and try to watch TV, but he would fall asleep. So his head would constantly be nodding off. And he also really liked for us to comb his hair. So he would pull out a comb and have us comb his hair. And then he would fall asleep trying to watch TV. It's just weird little things like that. Um, and then Nanny, she just was busy. Always busy, busy, busy. And she loved having us there, loved seeing us. But she was always cooking, always cleaning, always doing something. She's not somebody to just sit down and, and relax. She always had something she needed to do. So she ran around the entire time that people were, were there.
As I said before, Papal passed away before I ever got a chance to meet him. But Nanny, on the other hand, has always been there in Flatwoods to greet us when we visit her. Nanny has always seemed to me like a fiery woman, the kind of lady who you try very hard to stay on her good side. A couple of different relatives have told me stories about how they watched my nanny grab a mouse off the kitchen floor and wring its neck. Although I am a little skeptical of their accounts, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out to be true. And that's just how nanny is. She's tough and strong. But even as I was hearing those stories about her, I was also hearing others, the kind that make your heart melt and your blood sing. And though my family has an arsenal of stories about Papaw, and they have tons of stories about Nana, I most enjoy listening to stories about them together, especially from my mom. My mom tells me a lot of stories about Papaw and Nanny together, and I really enjoy listening to them. Because the truth is, it's not often that you find a couple that has the utmost respect, trust, and love for each other. And when you do, you just want to hear about them over and over again, both to hear the stories and to hope that a little of their luck rubs off on you. Very, very good together. I mean, just deeply in love with each other. It was one of those where, you know, even as being older people, you could tell they just adored each other. Um, they would hold hands. They, um, you know, they would go places together and just, you, you could just tell how much they cared for each other. Even the day that Papal died, he uh, brought breakfast in bed to Nanal that very morning. And they had just, I had talked to him a couple of days before he passed um, because he had an aneurysm and it took him very quickly. And so when I talked to him a few days before, he was talking to me about how he and Nanal had gone into town and held hands the whole time. And it was just, it was very sweet. I mean, he was madly in love with her and she was with him. in Stanton different from when you'd go and visit Nana and Pat? Well, we didn't, you know, where we grew up, or where I grew up in Stanton, we had no other family around other than my father's mother, Gran, who, like I said, was in the nursing home um, and not responsive to us. So we had no family like that. We didn't have people just dropping by. We did have some family friends that would drop by, but it was like, those were people that were so close to us friend-wise that we considered them family, but they weren't necessarily family. Um, well, one thing about Flatwoods is, especially where Nanal is, you really, you have to drive a little ways into town if you want anything at all. You know, in Stanton, oh gosh, I forgot milk. I'll just go the one mile to the grocery store and pick it up. Whereas in Flatwoods, it's a 15 to 20 minute drive. Um, so that was a difference. Plus, we just had so many more stores and so many more opportunities for employment, opportunities of like places to go, things to see in Stanton um, versus in Flatwoods. 
Um, if we wanted to go see nature like we would in Flatwoods, then in Stanton where I grew up, we had to drive a little bit further. There's still a lot of beautiful wildlife in Stanton, but it's not in your backyard like it was in Flatwoods. It was like you had to, you had to make that a destination. Um, I guess that's the biggest thing that was the difference. It's like, I mean, it was definitely, Stanton was city life, <laughs> town life, and Flatwoods was definitely country life. When I think about my grandmother moving from the country to the city in order to follow her dreams and go to college, it's definitely astonishing. It takes a lot of guts to leave the place that you've lived all your life and go somewhere new. And then for her to be able to take those aspects of her life in the country and incorporate them into her new life in the city, it is definitely a reason to be amazed. And I'm certainly proud to call her my grandmother. How did Mimi's background influence your life? So my grandmother and your mom, how did her background in Flatwoods influence your life in childhood? So Mimi came from, you know, this area where you grow your own food and you mend your own clothes, you make your own clothes, uh, you hang your clothes on the lawn to save energy. Um, you know, you're, you're very careful about reusing things. And so here she came into town in Stanton, Virginia, and lived with my, um, my dad and his mother. And they were from a different situation. They were from a little better economic status. And so, you know, here my mom would be hanging clothes on the line, and that was just not done around there. And my mom would have these gardens in the yard, and that's just not done around there. And so, you know, she had to, to sort of bring those things from her childhood to where she lived in Stanton. And so I grew up always having gardens, um, going on nature walks where my mom would point out flowers to me. You know, I remember her showing me the jack-in-the-pulpit plant and showing me different things as we would walk around she would find these berry patches. So I remember um, there were these trails right behind our house. It was behind where Mary Artis's house is. And we would take these trails over to a couple miles away and there were these berry patches that we would go pick from. So like she just had a lot of, a lot of things that she brought from her childhood growing up where she really appreciated wildlife and, and um, you know, just a different way of living and, I came to really enjoy that as well. Um, what are some things about Flatwoods that have really stuck with you through your life? Um, let's see. Ramps. Uh, that's the first place I ever saw or ate ramps. And that's where we always, as a family, if we want ramps, we go up to Nanals and we dig the ramps in the backyard. So, you know, something, you know, that has, plus just family, just a lot of family that I only saw when I went there that was really 
something that was fun for me to be able to see family in so many different places and, you know, learn about my roots and where I came from and how everybody connects together. Um, and also just the area, the land itself is beautiful. There's so many places that you can go down to the river and, you know, just so many places. We used to go um, four-wheeling and it was kind of a four-wheeler, but it wasn't really, it was a Jeep that didn't have a windshield and it was one of Amy's friends and he used to drive us all over the place. So I learned a lot of the land back in there. Um, yeah, I guess that's biggest thing I remember. It's just seeing a lot of the land and how beautiful it was. I've only heard bits and pieces about my Uncle Wayne. The more I learn about him, the more I see how his sudden death at the young age of 28 has had such an impact. It feels a bit like he left a hole in the family. I asked my mom about him, and here's what she said. So he was so much fun, a very intelligent guy, but so much fun. So I was in middle school when he passed away. So let's see, I was, this was the summer before eighth grade was when he passed and he was 28 at that time. So he lived with Nana and Papaw. And so I would just see him coming and going. Um, he had a very different schedule. He worked. He had friends that he ran around with. So, you know, he, he was there and then he would leave and then he would come back and you just, you know, see him every so often. But he was so much fun and so funny. And I remember he would always do these accents. He would do a British accent very properly and it sounded really good. <laughs> but um, and I just remember him joking around with us and just adoring him. I remember always being excited to see him. He was just a fun person to be around. And it just had a type of personality that you just gravitated towards. And Mimi said that she got along with him much better than Dino. <laughs> and I think it's because there was, um, there was a big age difference between Mimi and Wayne. She was... I think when she went off, to, she'll have to tell you more, but I think when she went off to college, he was still like elementary school age. and uh, But then she left. So there's a difference when you leave versus when you're with that person all the time. So Dina was a little closer in age and they were together all the time. So there will be the difference there. For as long as I can remember and as long as my mom can remember, our family has always held a big reunion in Flatwoods. When my mom was younger, it was at the 4-H grounds. Now, it's held at the old church. And even though we haven't had a reunion in several years, I still think it's an important part of my life. One of my most vivid memories from those reunions was just my own amazement at the sheer amount of family there. I'd always thought of my family on my mom's side as small, mostly because I didn't have any first cousins. But when I saw how many extended family members there were, I was in complete awe. It's a very odd feeling to know that you and every other person around you share the same thing. That no matter how different you may seem, you're all tied together in some odd way. In my case, it was family. And then um, tell me a little bit about your <clears throat> family reunions. For me, I have vivid memories of family reunions. Um, and the family reunions that you went to or that we have now are very, very small. 
we used to have huge family reunions. And I don't know how much of that is just me little and kind of warping that in my mind. But I remember we would rent out the 4-H grounds every year. And so they had um, like a big cafeteria area. And it would fill up in there with people that would be coming, you know, all kinds of, all ages of people, but a lot of older people would come. And they would stay in that screened-in area that was the um, cafeteria area. And the, meanwhile, all of us kids, and there were like way more kids than I actually knew who they were. But it would be like, oh, those are kids that are, you know, family members that I saw last year, but I couldn't tell you what their <laughs> names were. Um, but we would run all over the place. They had, the bunk rooms were closed up, but I remember we would run all around the bunk rooms and just, I mean, we'd go everywhere. And so I didn't really want to stay and hang out with the adults and know who they were because they were kind of boring where you had all these kids running all over the place, just playing tag and being fun. But every time you would go into the, to the cafeteria area, you'd be grabbed a hold of whose kid are you and oh it's Edna Lou's daughter and then you didn't know who you were talking to and they would tell you big stories and it was like kind of hard to get back out of there and then you'd leave and then we'd all run around and then so you'd end up meeting all kinds of people but I don't remember many of the older folks that we met. I remember Aunt Fanny because Aunt Fanny had horrible osteoporosis and so, I mean, she was completely bent over with a cane, and her name was Aunt Fanny. I mean, how do you not remember that? <laughs> but And I remember Uncle Ward, because I remember at the end of one of the family reunions, we were getting ready to leave, and Becky and I were sitting in the back of the truck waiting to go, because at that time, it was nothing to ride in the back or in the bed of the truck. So we're waiting to go, and there were sweat bees all over the place that summer. I mean, they were terrible. You just constantly had sweat bee stings on you. And I remember he walked over and introduced himself to me and smacked one on my arm, and it left the biggest whelp, but I couldn't say anything. I just had to smile and be like, <laughs> nice to meet you. But that was one of Papal's brothers. So that's uh, that family reunion was it? A, it was a King family reunion. It was a King family reunion. Yes, it's a lot of a lot of people. Yes, because Papa had. You don't have to ask Mimi exactly how nine, many nine. Okay, so yeah, their brothers and their sisters and yeah, their kids and all kinds of people. But now also, even though it was a King family reunion, Nanny's family would come. Like Nanny's sister Aunt Thelma and Charlie, they would always come too. So there were a few people that would still come just from the family connection. Yeah. That brings us to the end of my first episode of My Appalachian History. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next one.